excited about your ministry and how it continues to grow and how lives are being changed. I want to thank Pastor William as well for speaking to us and teaching us from God's Word last Sunday and a great, great job that he did. I want to thank Arthur for speaking two weeks ago, speaking about being all in, and I'm so very, very grateful for him. I am... I'm going to try and be brief this morning. Uh, what I have to share with you I think is very, very, very important, and it's important that we go to the Lord in prayer before we look at this Bible study. It's important that we do that every time we have Bible study together, that we be sure and acknowledge that it's the Holy Spirit who is our teacher. It's the Holy Spirit who is our teacher and that we give him place, that we release ourselves, that we turn wholly and fully to him and allow him to speak to us. And, and that's, you know, Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. And those who have this, these, your own desires in your life take priority and precedent. You can't hear the Holy Spirit. And so we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. I think it's especially important this morning because what I want to share with you, I think that many of you in this room, maybe most of you in this room, are going to say, that's not possible. That can't happen. That's just, it's just, that's a, that's a pipe dream. We can't experience that here. I know that many of you will feel that way because I struggle with it. I read God's Word, and I see in God's Word what the church is supposed to look like, and I go, God, can that really, really happen here? Can you do that here? As we pray this morning before Bible study, I also want to pray for Orlando Baptist Church, my dear friend and brother Dustin Janney, as he preaches this morning. I want to lift them up, and they're having a very special time together this morning. I also want to pray for Hope Church in Detroit, Michigan, a ministry there that um, we have had significant involvement with and significant investment with. Uh, this morning, John and Lori Malloy and uh, Pam Turner from our church are there worshiping with them in Detroit, and I want to remember them in, um, in prayer too. So, Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Pray with me, uh, if you would. Oh, Father God, I ask that you would make it our heart's desire to see and experience your glory filling this room. I ask, Lord, that you might teach us how you can bring that about. I ask, Lord, that you might give us the kind of heart, the kind of spirit that we are totally surrendered to you. And wherever you lead, we'll follow. Lord, I thank you in advance for what you will do in people's lives. I want to lift up to you Dustin this morning, my friend Dustin, as he preaches God's word and uh, just bless him and fill him with your spirit and use him in a mighty, mighty way. I pray for the unexplainable there at OBC service this morning. I pray for Hope Center, Hope Church in Detroit, Michigan, and I thank you for what you're doing there in that impoverished area and, and how many, many, many lives are being transformed by your your spirit and how many needs are being met and how sacrificial service is being seen and sacrificial love 
among the brothers and sisters in Christ that are being seen by that community. I thank you for the light that they are in the midst of great, great darkness. And I thank you for the way you're using them. And I ask your special blessings on their time together this morning as well. Lord, as we look at your word, I pray that it would just come alive for us and that it would change us. For your glory, I pray in your name, amen. I love the song that we sang, Glory to God Forever, this morning as part of our worship time together. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't mind if Arthur would do that song again before we dismiss this morning, so I'm going to have to hurry if that's going to happen. God's glory. We sing a lot about God's glory. One of our favorite songs, we call it the Holy Spirit song. There's a line in that song that says, your glory, Lord, is what our hearts long for. There's a song that we sing that that has a line in it that says, may the glory of your name be the passion of this church. The church, as Jesus uh, uh, calls it to, what the, the, the purpose of it is to reveal or to display the glory of God. The glory of God is the unexplainable in our midst. The glory of God is his unexplainable presence. It's his power. The glory, the glory of God is us being able to attribute every good thing that happens to him and to his power and to his love and to his involvement in our lives. And the church is to display the glory of God. That's what it's supposed to look like. If we took our cue from the Bible, if we said, if we went to God's word and we said, we're going to look in here and we're going to see, this is what church is supposed to be. This is what it's supposed to be like. What would it teach us and what would it tell us? What would God's word emphasize about the church? Or should we just do what everybody else does? Or should we just go to some of the, what what, what many, many would call, myself included, very successful churches and just copy them? Spend time with them and learn how they're doing it and just do what they do? I think that our greatest effort ought to be to understand Jesus' picture of what the church is supposed to be from his word and do that. And when I look at God's word and I, and, and I try to define and see what the church is supposed to be all about, there are, there are three or four different things that really, really stand out. I want to focus on one of those this morning, and that is the focus on love. Love. It's the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. The second is is likened unto it, the Bible says, and that is that we should love our neighbors. I see that as a priority in Scripture for the church, love. Loving God and loving one another. And I wonder, what, what, what does that look like? Do we love one another? You know, in the New Testament, there is a hundred verses, one another verses. Love one another. Forgive one another. Teach one another. Encourage one another. Share with one another. Bear one another's burdens. 
And it goes on and on and on and on. Jesus says, hey, if you have two coats and your brother or sister doesn't have a coat, give them one of your coats. That's what love looks like. If you have a sister who needs a kidney and you got two kidneys, give them one of your kidneys because that's what love looks like. It's this, it's this true and real and expressive and active involvement in one another's life. And I ask myself the question, can we really experience that here? I mean, can we really love each other that way? This is how Jesus wants to build the church. This is his strategy that the world would see how we love one another and they would be attracted to it, they would be drawn to it. If there isn't love, if we're not known for love, aren't we doing more damage than we are good? Wouldn't people look at us and think to themselves, you know, I don't really have any desire to be a part of that. I don't really see any difference in their lives and my life. But a church where people are abandoned to love, where people love sacrificially, is a church that God blesses and God grows. It's the kind of church I want for us. It's important to understand when we, we begin to talk about loving one another that it always, it always begins with our love for our Savior, Jesus Christ. The love that we have for one another, it must be an outflow of our love for Jesus. If it's not an outflow of our love for Jesus, it can't be a, a sacrificial love. It can't be a serving love. It can't be a giving love. And so we first have to ask ourselves before we begin to, to talk about loving one another, are we abiding with Jesus as it talks about in John chapter 15? Are we walking with Jesus? Are we living with Jesus? Does he consume our lives? We can't love one another until we first have given ourselves wholly and fully to Jesus. And I ask you this morning, are you abiding with him? Do you love him? In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus speaks to the church at Ephesus, and he says, man, you guys got it going on. You got great programs, and you got a lot of people, and you're doing a lot of things right, but you don't love me, and I'm not pleased. As a matter of fact, he threatened to shut the church down. It gives us an indication of the priority this is to Jesus, of the importance this is to Jesus. You left your first love, he said. They weren't loving each other right because they weren't Loving him right. John 15 speaks a lot about that. John is, uh, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's, he's telling them the way to build his kingdom is to abide in him. If you abide in me, he says, if you love me, if you're consumed by me, if your world revolves around me, then you're going to bear fruit, and it's going to be the kind of fruit that lasts forever. Now look, when he's talking to them about loving him, it's not this just, it's not just, I should say, it's not just this emotional feeling. 
but certainly that's a part of it. I sensed emotion this morning during our time of worship. I experienced emotion this morning during our time of worship, and that's good, but we need to understand, as Jesus explains to us in John chapter 15, that it's more than emotion. It's more concrete than that. Love is it's not just what we feel. It's what we do. And I want us to look at John 15, and I want us to look at, at verse 10 in John 15 and some, some of the following verses. John 15 says, if you keep my commands, this is Jesus, he's talking to his disciples, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now, we could spend a lot of time talking about this incredible truth of being the friend of Jesus and Jesus being our friend. But what I want us to understand this morning is there's a condition to that. He says, if you abide in me, if you love me, then you must obey my command. And here's my command. Love one another. Our connection with God depends on our connection with one another. You think about that. You can't say, I love God, but I'm not crazy about the church. And a lot of people say that. A lot of people sitting on their couch this morning saying, I love God, but I'm not really, I'm not, I don't particularly like the church. Jesus says, you can't love me. You can't abide in me. You can't give yourself wholly to me unless you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's very similar to what is written in 1 John, the third chapter. 1 John 3 and verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Now, folks, I didn't write that. I wrote a little bit of Deuteronomy. No, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't write that. That's the inspired word of God. And that's a hard word. But he tells us very, clear, very, very clearly if we don't love our brothers and sisters, we don't love him. I don't care how loud you sing. I don't care how demonstrative you are during worship. I don't care if you walk down the aisle crying your eyes out and kneel at the altar. If you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you don't love God. This is his command to us. He doesn't care how good we're doing with programs. I'm not sure he cares how many people are in the room. What he cares about 
is do we love one another? In the Gospel of John, chapters 13 through 16, it's, that's Jesus' last chance to teach his disciples. 13, 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is pouring into the disciples, and he's teaching the disciples, and he's teaching them that, that he's going to be going away, and he's teaching them that it's good that he's going away because they're going to have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was with them at that time, but now when Jesus goes away, he's going to be in them, and if the Holy Spirit is in them, then they have the power to do the supernatural. They have the power to do the miraculous. They have the power to see God do unexplainable things. And you know what the unexplainable thing is? You know what the miraculous is? You know what the supernatural is? Loving one another. It's hard loving one another. You can sit here this morning and go, amen, 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 amen. And I know that's great. And I know we need to love one another. But I want to tell you, when somebody starts knocking on your door and somebody starts bothering you and they need some help and they need some of your time and they need some of your sacrifice, it gets hard. But that's what he commands us to do. After he had taught them this, he taught them that he's going away and they're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, and if they would just love him, if, if they would give themselves wholly to him, then he would empower them to love one another. And if they would love one another, they would bear fruit. And if they would love one another, the world would see and the world would know and the world would, would be drawn to him. And after he teaches them this in the 13, 14, 15, 16th chapter, in chapter 17, of John, we get to sit in on Jesus' prayer when Jesus himself is talking to his Father, God the Father, God the Father, and God the Son. They're having this conversation. I want to share just a few verses of that with you, if I could. John 17 and verse 1. Here's Jesus praying, and Jesus said, he looked toward heaven and he prayed, Father, the hours come, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. My life's over here. You have granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those who you have given him. And this is eternal life that you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Don't you want that to be your testimony at the end of your life? I have brought you glory. I have brought you glory. I have brought you glory by doing the things that you've called me to do, by following you, by doing the things that you've commanded me to do. I pray that that would be the testimony of my life and the testimony of every life in this room. We bring God glory by doing the work that he gives us to do. And certainly one of the most important things, maybe the priority in that is loving him and loving one another. He says in verse 21, that they may be one. I, I want us to jump to verse 18, and let me read that for you. John 17, verse 18. You sent me into the world. My job's done. I'm coming home, Lord. Glorify me. I'm coming home. It's been hard. They spit on me, and they beat me, and they, and they lied to me, and they rejected me, but I'm coming home. I'm coming home, Lord. Glorify me. But these, they're not coming home yet. 
And just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And this is what he says. This is his prayer. He's talking to the Father. As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself. I set myself apart that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Folks, that's you and me. I'm praying, Jesus is praying for us that all of them may be one, Father, just as you in me and I am in you, just as we're one. May they be one. May they have that kind of unity. May they have that kind of bond. Is there a greater bond than the bond that exists between God the Father and God the Son? And yet Jesus prays, and here's the difficulty I have. Here's the thing I'm going, God, can you do that? Can that really happen? Jesus prays and says, let their bond with one another be just like the bond that you and I have. Man. We could spend the rest of our time there, but but let's go on. This incredible prayer, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He says, he's praying to God the Father, and he says, I want them to love one another. I I want them to have unity. I want them to serve one another and care about one another. I want them to forgive one another. I I want them to invest in one another. I want those relationships to be different than the relationships in the world. I want them to be sacrificial relationships. But then he says right here in the Scripture, so that the world may know. This is why. This is why I want you to love one another. This is, so the world may know that I'm who I said I was, that I'm the one who God the Father sent, that I'm the one that has power to save, that I'm the one that has power to forgive. The world wants to know who that is, and they can know who that is, not through our programs, but by seeing us love one another. Is that possible here? That, 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 that we ought to make a priority in our lives to have the kind of union with one another, the kind of love with one another that, that God, the Father, and God, the Son have for one another? Do you come in that door and think to yourself, I'm going to... I'm going to love these people the way God loves Jesus, the way Jesus loves God. This is going to be my goal. I'm going to get as close to these people as God the Father is to God the Son. But you know what? That's what he commands us to do. The auditorium's almost filled this morning. Certainly there are those who are sitting here this morning and you're thinking, you know what? I didn't come for that. I'm really not interested in sacrificial love with the brothers and sisters. I just came to connect with God. But that's not the way God ordained it. You can't connect with him unless you Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. I in them and you in me, God first, abide in him. It's not just the horizontal, it's the vertical. It's not just the vertical, it's the horizontal. 
Bring them to complete unity so the world will know. You want to grow a church? Love one another. Be in unity with one another. We can come up with every method to try and grow the church. Get the best speakers. Get Disney characters. Get a juggler. We'll pack it out. People will come. It'll be overflowing. And we'll say, look what God has done. No, God didn't do that. We did that. Let's just love one another. How do I know that that will work? Because that's what God's Word says. Bring them together. Let them love one another. Let them have unity so that the world will know that I am the one who saves. I am the one who gives eternal life. I think the thing that keeps people from God is when they see that there's no love. May that never, ever be the testimony of this church. I want to turn quickly over to 2 Chronicles 7. And I want to, this is one of those times you read in the Old Testament about these incredible things that God does and you think, man, I'd love to have been there for that. This is after the temple was built and Solomon is dedicating the temple. Uh, Chapter 7 and verse 1, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and they gave thanks to the Lord saying, He is good. His love endures forever. Now here, I I share that verse with you for one reason. Folks, I'm a lot more interested in filling this building with the glory of God than I am in filling it with people. Let's fill it with the glory of God. Let's expect the supernatural. You know that the temple doesn't exist anymore. Some of you have been with me even over to Israel. There's no temple there anymore. As a matter of fact, there's a mosque there now. But the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 4 and 5, we are that temple. As you come to him, the living stone, Jesus, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to God, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He says in that verse, you're the temple now. He even gives a little bit more clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17. He goes, don't you know that you and you there is plural? It's talking about the congregation. Certainly the Scripture talks about us being the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells us in this verse. And in most verses when it's talking about the church being the temple, it's plural. You, y'all. Y'all didn't know Jesus was Southern, did you? Yeah, he's Southern. He said, don't you know that y'all yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you together are that temple. We're stones in a building. And Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. And you are one stone. Each of you are one stone stone and you're supposed to connect with the others and when we do we begin to see 
God's glory fill this place. When God's glory fills this place, a community that looks on is asking themselves, what is going on in that place? Can we connect like that? Do you believe God can do that here in our midst? Different cultures, different races, different backgrounds. But when we're connected, when we don't give up on one another, when we sacrificially serve one another, when we're there for each other, God's glory will fill this place. You cannot go it alone. You'll never be able to experience the glory of God. Look, I've done this myself. I know many, many people who have said, look, I love God. I, don't, I just don't want to be a part of all of that. I, I, I'm going to go over here, and I'll do my worship the way I want to do my worship. And you all do your thing over there, and I understand, and I don't begrudge you that. Just leave me alone. And here's what I want you to know. That person can never experience the glory of God. It's not how God ordained it. It's not how God designed it. He designed us to be together. We're each stones. We come together. We make up the temple. We can't just be a bunch of people that come into a room and face forward and listen to a sermon. That's not, that's not what church is supposed to be. I don't see that in the Scripture. That's not church. For too many, you know... Church is Sunday morning, an hour and a half. But that's not the real church. It's not what I see in Scripture. It's certainly not what God asks of us. We need to be a body. Just like in 1 Corinthians, when it talks about the body, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. We need to be a body. Obviously, I, I can't know everybody that's here. I would love to. I honestly, honestly would. But that's impossible. We have, to get, we have to start getting to know one another, getting involved in each other's lives, caring for one another, sacrificially serving one another. That's one of the reasons we encourage small groups in our church. It's one of the reasons we encourage life groups. It's one of the reasons we encourage men's ministry and women's ministry. We don't want to just show up and, and have a service. We don't want it just to be emotional. It's not what I want our church to be. I'm not interested in filling up a room with people. You know what? We, we could do that. We could do that. You know, with the right pieces in place, investing money in the right place. We can fill the room. We can fill the room. We'll never see the supernatural that way. We'll never see the unexplainable that way. But we will see the supernatural and the unexplainable and God's glory fill this room when we truly learn to be one, to truly love one another so that the world will know that Jesus is the one who the Father sent to save and give eternal life. I, um, I'm going to ask Arthur and the team if they would come. Here's what we're going to do to close out our service today.
I want us to sing again. And right after we sing, I want you to watch a video. It's, um, it's an eight-minute video, um, but you'll enjoy it very much. It's a video of some, not all, but some of our life groups just explaining when they meet. And, and um, I, what I'm hoping is that you're going to plan on sticking around for lunch. And that on the video, you're going to see somebody you recognize. Or maybe during the lunchtime, you'll see somebody that you saw on the video, and they can give you some information about their particular life group or life groups in general. And I hope that you'll plan on, on doing that. Let me, um, why don't we uh, sing sitting down? Can we do that? I guess we can. <laughs> we'll sing sitting down, and um, then you watch this video, and then um, Arthur will dismiss us. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the clarity of your word. How can we read this book? How, how could a 10-year-old read this book and be confused about the priority you have in your church? You commanded us, love one another. Then you said, if you want to abide in me, <laughs> then obey my command. Love one another. We acknowledge that we cannot do that under our own power and on our own, under our own strength, that we desperately need your Holy Spirit to empower us to do what really is the impossible. But Lord, when we experience that, you receive glory. And that's our purpose. We thank you for that. Jesus' name.